to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Here we are, Rethinking Church. It's week five. Uh, I don't know, if probably a year ago, you probably would have never thought that we would be thinking about church in this kind of format, in this setting, but I'm just so grateful that we're able to come and be a part of the church, even in this setting, in this format. Now, some of you might be wondering, hey, Josh, it's been a while since I've seen you. What have you been up to? And this is true. I've been kind of uh, doing things a little bit different for a a lot of this month, for three weeks. Uh, Let me just kind of catch you up a, a little bit. Actually, back in the fall, I felt like the Lord had impressed something on my heart as far as uh, actually writing a book. And so what I had done is I had put, back in the fall, I'd put this into my schedule that I'd have three weeks to just be able to write, like write all day long. That's all I did. And that's actually what I did. So for the last three weeks, I was writing a book that actually the Lord impressed on my heart for Lakeland that I'm hoping that we'll uh, get it all kind of uh, edited and then published and uh, available in November or December, and then we'll go through it kind of as a church together and make it available outside the church as well, but in January of next year. So I know it's a long way away, but that's what I was doing for the last couple of weeks. And uh, either one of my staff members had asked, they're like, how's the writing of the book going? I said, well, I'm writing a lot of words. I don't know if there are any good words, but there are a lot of words. So yet to be seen if it's anything good, but we'll, uh, I'm praying that God will use it in some, some powerful ways. Um, all right. So so that's, that's where I've been. And it's been also sweet. I, I was just actually coming every week. I was just participating in worship, not kind of doing anything, not serving, just being. And, um, and it was really sweet to just be a part of the church body and just be with you guys and be a part of just worshiping with you. And so thanks for that opportunity to be able to kind of dive into writing for three weeks and then just worship alongside you guys for these last uh, handful of weeks. And now we are continuing though, and I'm diving, I'm, we're moving forward. Hey, we've been always thinking about how can we help all of us continue to grow in our walk with the Lord? And we're launching something new actually starting tomorrow to help all of us. Because I think so many are like, man, I want to grow. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray, but I struggle to just have accountability around that and community around that. And so we're making this really easy. We're actually going to be doing uh, reading doing a Bible reading plan that will always kind of coincide and go alongside with the teaching series that we're doing. And so we're actually using the Bible app, the Version Bible app, to do that, to have kind of our own custom-made uh, reading plan together. And here's two things that you got to do, really simple. First, download the Version Bible app if you haven't done that. Second thing, friend us. Just look for Lakeland Church, hit uh, friend. We will automatically send you the Bible reading plan. And here's the beauty. We're going to, in the month of February, we're going to continue kind of diving into the habits of the early church and what the early church was pressing into. And so uh, a lot of that's found in the book of Acts. So there's 28 days in February and 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And uh, whether you use the Version Bible app or not, you can read one chapter a day through the month of February and be tracking with with us as a church body, or you can uh, use the YouVersion app and see all the people who are reading day, daily with you. You can even see some of my own thoughts and notes along the way of uh, things that I, it'll probably be like my, uh, my like, 
audio recording of like, hey, here's my thoughts on, uh, and it will, you know, dictate it, and it'll have all spelling errors and all that. And so you get to read all that if you, if you care what my thoughts were on the day. But make sure to do that. It's going to be fun as we dive into the month of February and the book of Acts together. All right, here we go. Week five, Rethinking Church. Uh, this all began at the beginning of January, but I was talking about some of the hurdles that the church has in front of it in our current culture, in what we're going to face in the years ahead. And I made this statement. Jeff reiterated it last week. I think Jason did as well the week before. Uh, It's this. The long-term scalable solution for the church is something that's been around since the early church. It's empowering the smaller expression of the church to be experienced anywhere. And I don't want the church building or even our weekend services to ever be kind of become a cap in our minds to where the church can go and uh, what the church can become and be. The church is a people, it's not a building, because you're obviously not here in this building, and yet we are the church. The church is a movement, it's not an address, as Pastor Jason said a couple weeks ago, you are the church. Now, if you're a non-Christian, or maybe you would say I'm a disenfranchised uh, maybe former follower of Jesus. Um, I don't know what happened along the line where perhaps you were wounded by maybe the entity of the church, the people of the church, or your view of God got hurt or skewed or wounded in some way. But I feel like a lot of times that's usually not on God. It's probably actually more on the people. And um, I just want to invite you along today to kind of maybe capture a vision of once again, what I think the heart of God is for this thing called the movement of the church. And uh, we're not trying to do something new, but in many ways we're entire, or trying to return to that which was the original foundation and the look of the early church and instill in that into what we're calling impact communities. It's our small groups that are getting an upgrade to be impact communities. And this is how we've defined impact communities week after week. It's simply this. It's you, five of your friends, and a God-given impact dream. You, five of your friends, and a God-given impact dream. And each week we've been breaking down this, uh, kind of debunking maybe some myths or some ideas you've had about each of these. So Kate uh, on week two talked about you and debunking this idea that the yous are only the pastors or the full-time ministers out there or missionaries, and those are the yous. No, you are the yous. It's every one of us that can make a kingdom impact anywhere you go. You are part of the, the yous. It's you. Five of your friends or your few. Uh, Jason was debunking the idea that th- those have to be your best friends or they have to be the most spiritual. That's actually not true. Jesus, when he called his very first followers, his first disciples, and we're actually going to look at that today, those guys were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were not those who would have been his closest friends or even uh, the most spiritual, but they were the ones sold out to the mission that he was putting in front of them. And that's what you're looking for with your few. Who will be sold out to the mission with you? And then a God-given impact dream. Pastor Jeff was kind of debunking this idea that impact always is painting a wall or raking a yard. Those are good things, but impact is more about people than places. It's about relationships more than anything else. Building relationships with people so that we can invite them to a cause. And my argument on week one is that people might be invited to a cause, but they'll stay because of change. They might come initially because a cause they can believe in, but they'll stay when God changes them. And um, this is not about 
I, I want to say this about this statement about you and five of your friends in an impact dream. This is not about just remaining that. If you're like, sweet, six of us doing life together forever, that's not the goal. The goal is actually that you would invite others into the impact dream and the cause that you're chasing after and that they too would be introduced to God and a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ and that they would be able to grow in their relationship with God and others. And, and I believe many impact communities can become, once again, these holistic expressions of the church and some will grow maybe into the 50, 60, 70, maybe even hundreds. I think that's totally possible. And so I don't want you to kind of limit this thing to just you and six, you know, six of you total. No, because it's, it actually always begins with this one thing. Every movement, everything that I would say that God's vision of all this, it begins with uh, this thing called invitation. Everything starts usually, most journeys begin with this thing called invitation. Now, I remember years ago, I first started pole vaulting because a guy by the name of Mike invited me when I was in high school. And for four years, I pole vaulted. And then I ended up coaching pole vaulting when I was actually an adult. I was coaching high school. I went snowboarding for the first time because a guy by the name of Brent invited me. And uh, then I continued snowboarding. I still snowboard near 20-some years later. I joined uh, the chorale, which was uh, the choir at my Bible college, because a buddy of mine by the name of Josh invited me. He said, we can go meet girls there. And he, he was right. I met my wife right there in that choir. And so uh, that invitation was a really good one to follow. Uh, I jumped out of a plane because a guy by the name of Jerry Gifford right here at the church invited me to go skydiving with him. Uh, all these things, things in life happen usually because someone in, invites you for whatever reason. Hey, come to the party. You were invited. Go on a date. You were invited. Come to church. Check it out. You were invited. Come to make an impact with me uh, in my impact community unity because this is a cause worth giving your time and your effort to because someone invited you. And those invitations are critical. And this thing called the church began the exact same way. It began with an invitation. Jesus's church began with an invitation. Let's check it out. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus is calling some of those very first followers, Peter, James, and John, and they're fishermen. And he comes up to them and he says, come, Follow me. This is the invitation. And I will make you fishers of men. In that moment, he's inviting them and he's going to reshape their entire destiny and future, really. Now, Matthew chapter 4, verse 20 is probably equally as important because it shows us really the, what, it, what it required to follow. Kind of the level of what it looked like to go all in to follow Jesus. Check it out in verse 20. At once, they left their nets and they followed him. Now, this is not like just a little ordeal to walk away from their nets and their boats. This is walking away from their livelihood to follow Jesus. This is huge. It was this kind of all-in decision to follow him. And it's not just that they're going to follow him for a little bit. This is what they're being called to is something that's going to completely reshape their lives. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Like you had a personal mission, which was to fish. Now I'm going to give you a God-given mission, which is to fish for people. It's an invitation that's going to reshape their lives to a God-given mission. And in fact, it will continue on. Uh, they're going to follow Jesus for years. And in Matthew chapter 16, this is verse 18, Jesus is going to speak over Peter this mission. Kind of a God-given mission over Peter. He says this, I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, and Peter, the name Peter actually means rock. Upon this rock, 
I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Upon you, Peter, I'm going to, you're this rock. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Pastor Jeff, last week, he was quoting Mark Twain, and he said this, the two most important days of your life is the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. This verse is Peter's why. This is your mission in life, is to build the church. And this word that gets translated as church is actually this Greek word that's ekklesia. I want to show it to you so you can see it here. It's ekklesia. Uh, next slide. Give me the next slide. And the root word, I'm, I'm horrible at Greek, but it's ekaleo. Let's go ahead and try that. Ekaleo. <laughs> but here's what it means. It means called forth ones. Called forth ones. Just let that settle. If we as Christ followers were the church, we are called forth ones. That's what we are. We are called forth. Just as Peter was being called forward into a God-given mission for his life, we as the church are also joining him in this thing as the called forth ones. I remember I grew up uh, going to school just like you guys did. And the first day every, every year, first day of school, always looked the same for me. Uh, the teacher always starts, and because my last name is Amstutz, they'd always start by saying, Josh Amstutz, very first one called every single week, come, or every single uh, year, first day of school, come on up to the front of the class. And then they would usually sit us kind of in alphabetical order. I got so used to it that I'd walk into class on the very first day, and literally I'd just go stand in the front of the class like this. And the teacher would be like, go ahead and have a seat. And I'd go, no, 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 I'm just going to wait here. And they're like, what? And I'm like, just go ahead and just get started. And they go, Josh Amstutz. And I go here, and <laughs> because I've done this enough that it always results in me being called forward to the front of the class, and uh, and I'm going to stand there, and then you're going to tell me where to sit. It's just kind of how it worked every single year, and I got used to that. I was always being called out of the out of the group, and for a moment I'm standing in front of everyone, being called forth. And here's the deal: we, as the church, are the called forth ones. You're being called out of the crowd. To live differently. Ephesians chapter 5 kind of describes what we got called out of. Check, check this out. For you were once darkness. This is the crowd you were a part of. You were in darkness. You were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. You've been called out. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. If I could kind of just give you a picture, you've been called out. You're a called out one. Are you aware? You are a called out one. And you're to live as light. The church, this called forth ones. We've got to debunk the idea that Christianity or the church was ever meant to be a place where you could come and kind of live a kind of a cultural Christianity or a moderate, mild, lukewarm faith. Are you aware as a called fourth one, that was actually never the picture, that was never God's vision or God's picture as a called fourth one uh, in the ecclesia, in the church? 
And yet it has become the norm for so many people. It's like, oh, well, I, I, can't I just kind of come to church and be kind of a mild part of it and kind of a casual Christian? And yet that was actually, when you think about what ecclesia means, it means called fourth one. It's not like mildly joining us ones. That's not it. It's called fourth. You're all in. In fact, Jesus is constantly calling people forward, and it was never halfway. He's always inviting them to kind of the all-in life as a follower. I want to check out one of these invitations where Jesus is calling a guy forward, and he's calling him uh, to be all in, and the guy doesn't make it. So check this out. It's a little heartbreaking, actually. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, and he fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus actually asked him. Continue on. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Continuing on, teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. This also could be translated, had compassion on him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. There's the invitation. Come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. See, what we've got here in this passage is we've got a cultural follower of God. He's a guy who grew up as a Jewish young man. He's been following all the commandments. Jesus kind of reiterates the Ten Commandments or a group of them to him. And the guy's like, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing all those things and what he would be. He's a cultural follower of God. But now Jesus is going to say, all right, let's not, let's leave the land of being a cultural follower of God and let's get into this thing called all in following. A cult, he was a, a cultural follower of God, but not all in for following God. How about you? Are you a cultural follower of God, but not all in for following God? I think that's a lot of people. Cultural followers, but not all in for following. Are we all in the ecclesia called forth. You just don't get to do this mildly. You're being called out of darkness to shine as light. Are we all in followers that make up the ecclesia? These called forth ones. Now, I don't know if you figured this out, but the called forth ones, the church, Christians, make mistakes. Have you met any yet? <laughs> Have you, have you met any people uh, yet in your life who would call themselves Christians? They go to church and yet they've made mistakes in their life? Yep, you probably are like, that's me. Met plenty of them. Perhaps some of them are the reason why you are so hesitant to ever even be a become a part of a church or heavily invested in a church is because some of the people that sometimes fall short of our expectations, if they really were, were darkness and now they're light and they're called to be light and they just are not measuring up and, and it seems like they've made too many mistakes and yet this is what sometimes happens. People are human and they make mistakes and one of the people who made very, a very human mistake is a guy by the name of Peter. Remember that guy who Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build the ecclesia. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, well, Peter actually made a pretty big mistake. At, at Jesus' arrest, 
some people come and they say, hey, aren't you one of those guys who's all in on following this guy, Jesus? And Peter's like, I don't know that guy. And someone else, or even a little girl, hey, aren't you one that's with him? Aren't you one of those guys who's like all in? You're a full-on disciple of this guy. And Peter's like, I don't know him. And three times Peter denies that he even knows who Jesus is. Now you might consider, and Peter definitely considered that to be a pretty big setback. In fact, such a big setback in his mind to the mission that God had given him that even after Christ's resurrection, I think he felt like he was, he was out. He, he, had, he got kicked out of the mission. Like, maybe that was God's plan for me. Maybe that was his mission that he had given for me. But I, I made such a big mistake. I denied him three times. I had such a big set, setback, such a big whoopsie, that there's no way I can still do the mission that God called me to do. And so, uh, in John chapter 21... There's this moment between Jesus and Peter that we often refer to as the reinstatement of Peter. Because what happens is Peter actually, because he could no longer see himself fulfilling the God-given mission, he goes back to his mission. He goes back to fishing. That's where we find him. He spends the night fishing. And it's after a night of fishing that Jesus has this face-to-face encounter with, with Peter. And he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, you know I love you. And he's like, really? Then feed my sheep, which is actually calling him back to the mission. And then they ask him again, Peter, do you love me? Three times. In many ways, it's like he's, he's saying, hey, this is the way that you walked out of your mission. Let me walk you right back into your mission that I gave you. Three times you denied me. Let's, let's reaffirm your love for me, and I'm going to reaffirm the mission that I placed upon your life. And so let's pick it up here in John chapter 21, verse 17. The third time he said to him, Simon, which is also Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know I love you. Jesus said, okay, then feed my sheep. This is his way of saying, let's get back on track to the mission that I declared over you. And then he said to him, check it out. It's the very thing that it began with. Their whole relationship began with this invitation. And he invites him once again, come then and follow me. And he invites him back into the God-given mission. When I was in Israel in February, we went to uh, the edge of the Sea of Galilee, right where many Bible scholars believe kind of this moment happened between Christ and Peter. And while I was there, I picked up a bunch of little stones. I know you may not be able to see this, but this is a tiny little stone. I, I grabbed 11 of them for all 11 in my family. Um, and I just wrote John 21 on those rocks. And I gave one to each of my kids and one for me and one for my wife. And it's, it's really just this reminder. I don't know if you're like me, but we're human. And sometimes we have setbacks in life. Sometimes we blow it. And if there's anything that this rock reminds me, it reminds me that I can't go too far. And I can't deny too much that Christ won't come chasing after me and invite me once again back and say, Get, get, stop, 
sitting on the sidelines. I got a mission for your life. And there's nothing that you can do that will stop me from inviting you back into joining me in the mission I have for your life. And I don't know what you've done. You're like, it was too big of a setback. It was too big of a whoopsie. It was a too big of a mistake that you've sidelined yourself. And I believe God would be saying to you today, hey, do you love me? Okay, then are you a part of the church, the ecclesia? Then I'm calling you forward. And I'm calling you forward once again. I'm inviting you to get off your tails and get into the mission. And that's what our impact communities are all about. It's about joining God in, in the mission of reaching people anywhere and everywhere. That it's not about getting them into a building, but it's about taking the gospel that is found within these walls, outside of these walls, and anywhere. And so if we could dream for a little bit, it would just be this. What's the impact community that you're a part of or that you're chasing after? And what could it be? Some impact communities are, are dreaming right now of adopting schools and their staff uh, so that they can just rally people around making an impact there and bringing the gospel there or adopting fire stations and their staff or police departments and their staff. Some are looking at serving within food pantries. Uh, one women's impact community is talking about caring for dancers at strip clubs. Uh, some are looking at serving in nursing ho homes on the other side of COVID. Some are looking uh, to using their coffee shops, their businesses, or their workplaces as a foundation somehow for uh, an impact community. To help you think a little bit differently, some of the, these things happen obviously in the physical realm, but are you aware there's so much that can be done in the digital realm? Right now we're coming to you digitally, and yet there's this real sense of community that's happening here. All right, I just want to may, maybe crack the lid for you on some ways that impact communities could just go kind of sprinting into the digital space, and you can do this from anywhere. Let me just show you a, a picture of some people that I know. This is uh, Angela Craig. This is actually a picture, a screenshot from a Zoom call that I was on with her. Angela actually started a church on Facebook. It's a digital-only Facebook church. It's called Pursuit Church. Um, she actually has thousands, th just get this, thousands. I forget how many thousand, but it is thousands of people that call her church home. And then she also helps people get connected to local churches in their area if they can. They have hundreds upon hundreds of Facebook groups that do weekly uh, Zoom Facebook groups, if you, if you will. And uh, it all began just a, a few years ago, but it has grown into something that has just hundreds of hundreds of people. It began with her and a few but it has turned into so many who can join that mission, hundreds of people who are joining that mission and impacting thousands. Let me uh, show you a picture of another guy. This is DJ Soto. DJ Soto uh, is the guy who first launched the very first VR church, at least that I'm aware of. There's maybe five or six VR churches that exist right now. And I've been on Zoom calls with this guy as well to talk uh, about how, how they're doing it. But DJ Soda, his, here's what's pretty cool, is that he had a vision and a mission to reach those kind of in the VR and uh, 
as a result, now he's got people from all over the world who are a part of their church. It's open actually 24 hours a day. Pastors are always there. Pastors from all over the nat- from all over the world uh, are are there. Uh, when he preaches, it's pretty cool. If he's preaching on like Jonah and the whale or something like that, he can actually take the whole congregation and they go walking everywhere that they go as they preach. And so he might start on uh, on like on shore and talk about how Jonah hopped on a ship and so the whole congregation hops onto a ship and then a storm comes and then they jump off the ship and they get swallowed by a whale and he'll preach the rest of the message from the inside of the whale. And, and what's really cool is just the way they can contextualize scripture and make it connect with people and what began with him and a few has become hundreds of people being impacted. Let me introduce you to or show you a picture of another guy. This guy is Daniel Heron. Daniel's about uh, 20 years old right now, 2021. 20, Daniel, when he was 11, children, listen up. When he was 11, he had an idea. And that was that he wanted to be able to express his faith in a place where he often spent a lot of time, and that was on Roblox. And so at age 11, he built the first Roblox church. That's right. It's a, it's a video game where you can go into a community in there and, and talk with one another. Well, it took off so well. Uh, he actually now has about 16,000 members of Roblox Church, about 2,000 that they minister to on a weekly basis. And he is 20. Listen up. He and a few has turned into many because he had this vision and other people could join in and thousands of people are impacted. And now he's at this place where he's like, he's, he's like, it's primarily almost all the volunteers are middle schoolers or high schoolers that serve within the Roblox church. And now he's got this idea. He's like, I kind of want to go into more of my age bracket. And so he's like, I want to establish a church in Final Fantasy where there's about 20 million users every single week. How can I get into that? I want to show you a picture. This is their Christmas Eve service from this year, the Robloxian uh, church. And he's proclaiming, will you proclaim Christ is Lord in Roblox and in the real world? And all these people are going, yes, yes, glory to God. Yes, yes. And uh, if you just think about just allow your mind to dream a little bit. Instead of expecting people to come into a building, how can we take the gospel any, everywhere and, and anywhere? I was talking with a, a guy down in Florida who said their church is really chasing after this as well. We're calling impact communities. They're calling them missional communities. But their whole idea is we want to get an expression of the church into every location where people gather. So we want to get an expression of our church into every bar and every restaurant and every gym and every uh, nursing home and every prison and every coffee shop and every place where people gather. We want to establish a community there of people that are bringing the gospel there. You're bringing the church to the place that you feel called to impact not bringing your impact to the church because you are the church and you can do this. And if you're wondering what could my very first impact opportunity look like, we do have some kind of church-wide ones that we're trying to make it easy for every one of us to be able to invite someone to a cause and then you can continue dreaming and saying, what's God's mission specifically for my life? But we got one coming up here that if you're going, what's something I can do right away? Uh, February 13th, we are assembling kind of these first responders, hero 
bags, if you will. Uh, we've been talking about it. I know in the pre-service they were talking about it. They're having a packing party where they're going to be packing about a thousand of these bags. You can text the word community to the number up there on the screen for, to be able to participate. If you're not here in our area and you want to be able to do this, we actually want to help you uh, create your own impact opportunity in your own area to support the local heroes right where you're at. I'm sure you can, you and a few of your friends can find a local fire station or police station or some EMTs and find out how many are there, create some gift bags to just let them know that you're cheering for them, to pray over them, and to encourage them. You can make an impact wherever. Text the number community to that number on the screen. We'll help you get an impact opportunity and event going wherever you are located. This is how we're going to end, though. We're going to end with a song right now. The worship team is going to come on out. And the song is called Jesus, I Come. And once again, the church, the ecclesia is the called fourth ones. Do you recognize that you are called forth? Like, you were never designed, the church was never designed to be this kind of cultural expression where we kind of mesh with culture. No, we're called out of darkness to be light. And there's no mild version of it. We, we can't be a people who are like, well, I just want to kind of go throughout my life and can I do this really kind of under the surface? No, we just, we take light into darkness and we do it boldly. You're called forth. And if you would recognize, yes, this is me. I'm a called forth one. I just actually want to encourage you to put it right there in the chat. Wherever you're at, say, I'm a called forth one. Like, I am going to recognize this is who I am as a part of the church. I'm one who comes forward. I've been called out of darkness to live as light. And I'm actually going to commission us at the end of this song, all of us who are recognizing I'm a called forth one. And I'm being called forward to make an impact wherever I go. And I'm just going to pray kind of a commissioning prayer as we take the gospel and establish impact communities anywhere and everywhere. Um, that we would go in God's power, in his strength, in his wisdom as we do this. And so let me just pray for a moment. And then during this song... You put it in the chat. I'm coming forward. Maybe this is a Peter moment for you. Where you. This is a moment where Jesus is reinstating you to a mission that he perhaps planted in your heart a while ago. That you've had so many setbacks that you've walked away from it. And now today is the day that you come forward and step back into it. Heavenly Father, during this, this song, during this moment. Lord, I recognize the invitation that you are making, that you've made upon my life to follow you and then to follow you into a God-given mission. Maybe this is a Peter moment where you find yourself coming back to him. Through a, during this song, just say, Jesus, I come and I am a part of the ecclesia, the called fourth ones. It's not casual following. It's the all-in following that I'm called to be a part of. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to this mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.